How many people do you know who struggle with their health? Chances are, whether they show it or not, most of the people in your life do. And chances are, you're one of them. Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, endometriosis, acne, eczema, autoimmune, thyroid, Lyme, brain fog, fatigue, or any other symptom or condition, you're far from alone. Living with symptoms has become the new normal. So no more guessing games. It's time to get answers. Welcome to the Medical Medium Podcast. I'm Anthony William. Hey, everybody. We're talking about modern-day vampirism. Now, before you jump into any conclusions, we're not talking about people with fangs in black capes leaving two bite marks on your neck. That would be scary. It's way worse than that because it's real and it's happening to you. And it defies all sensibility of the medical system. What I have to tell you is not an old folklore story about Transylvania. Instead, it's about your life, your family, your loved ones, your safety and life preservation. And if you have a chronic illness, it's make or break, do or die, shit or get off the pot. We're talking about blood draw, your blood tests. I'm not against getting your blood tested. It's important. It can be a window into important information about your overall health. But blood testing is still antiquated. It's running on old stats and averages of people that have long since been gone during a time period in history when so much was so much different than what it is today. Normal standards in today's blood profile comes from long ago past and hasn't been updated. Blood testing is not a definitive, accurate, 100% clear method of providing somebody with answers to why they're chronically ill. But it's still important, life-saving, and good doctors are learning to read between the lines when they're drawing blood and see subtle differences that can be very helpful through those blood tests. With that said, we have a bigger problem. The medical system has gone unchecked. No one's questioned it, and it's one of the biggest scams of our modern-day health system. It's modern-day bloodletting, the draining of our blood on a level that's unprecedented and unneeded. Every time you get a blood test, and you see those pretty little tubes fill up with red blood right before your eyes, there's a few things that are terribly wrong. The first thing is, they're going to throw all that beautiful blood away in the garbage. Almost all of it. Or preserve it, not for you, but for who knows. Second of all, the blood you see in those tubes has your hard-earned, systematically produced body's precious resource, sacred protection and health shield, your immune cells, your white count, your killer cells, your white blood cells. They go into the tubes. See you later, alligator. Bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee and the levee went dry. You lost your immune system. It went out the window. Not all your immune system left your body and went out the window. 
but depending on how much blood was drawn, a large part of the most important part of your immune system, the white count that patrols your bloodstream, has left the house. As you're walking away from your doctor's appointment, less full and more empty, sometimes you're told to drink a little apple juice, have a cookie. You'll build your blood back quick, they say, if they say anything at all. That's reckless, a reckless statement and a ridiculous one. If we're all about science, specifics, details, truth, facts, then this is the most blatant, negligent, careless process we have to date. What do you mean, build back your blood quickly? The variables range on all levels. How much blood was drawn? How weak is your immune system to begin with? How chronically ill are you? What kind of symptoms do you live with? What kind of demands, stress, and load is on your plate or your life? What's your diet like? Are you a man or are you a woman? And when was the last time you had a blood draw? It's not as simple as, you'll be fine. Eat enough food and you'll level out. You're lucky if they even give you a tip to eat. The system will never get its thirst quenched. They will bleed you to death, steal your blood, shorten your life by weakening your reserves, and never, ever, ever be held accountable for it. You might hold them accountable after you hear what you're about to hear. You wake up with your first symptoms. You start doctor shopping, like so many do, and they take your blood. No one knows why you're really sick. It's mostly low-grade viral infections and toxic heavy metals, like I've always said, causing your future diagnoses, your autoimmune at your doctor's office. When they take your blood, how much blood are they drawing? Is it four vials, five vials, seven, 10, 14, 18, 24, 28 more? Let's say they take five vials. Those are five full vials. In that blood is your immune system, and your immune system took time to build. It's keeping you from getting sicker. It's patrolling your body, looking for invaders, looking for pathogens and even toxins, and doing their job, gobbling them up when they see them. Those toxins and invaders are mostly why you're at the doctor's office. Hashimoto's, fibromyalgia, RA, multiple sclerosis, lupus, eczema, psoriasis, acne, rosacea, vitiligo, dizziness, tingles, and numbness like so many have, fatigue, especially that neurological fatigue people get where they just can't even walk and they don't even feel like they're living their life, brain fog, depression, anxiety, loss of libido, body pain, neck pain, back pain, hives, asthma, heart palpitations, cold sores, TMJ, trigeminal neuralgia, back pain, migraines, colitis, digestive problems, IBS, Crohn's, bloating, caused by all these invaders and toxins that are inside our blood. So as they draw blood, they're taking away your offense and defense at the same time. That would probably be somewhat okay, acceptable, if they didn't 
almost throw all of your blood away. But they do. They take a few drops, at best, a thimble, and toss the rest out. They toss it somewhere. You go home, and it takes weeks, even months, to get that CBC, that complete blood count, back to normal. White blood cells, red blood cells, platelets. But most importantly, that white blood count decides the condition you are going to be in with your symptoms and conditions. No one's aware or monitoring if they should be careful with how much blood they draw from you at any given time. You could be someone with a compromised immune system, meaning your white blood cells are weakened, low in numbers, or on the edge. So your doctor is supposed to be cautious. Keep your vials two or three max if sensitive, and maybe four max if you're stronger. And really, it should be half vials. Going to talk more about that later. But your doctor, they're not taught by the industry, your doctor's boss, the industry, that your immune system gets taken out of your body with your blood, goes unused and is destroyed, thrown out, thrown away, or worse, stored somewhere. You may be someone that doesn't build their immune system back quicker than others. So instead of it taking four to six weeks just to get your white blood cells stabilized, it takes four months. And your red blood cells, instead of three months, six months. During this course of time, your symptoms can worsen. It prompts you to call the doctor again. He's concerned, so he draws more blood. This time, he may draw five to ten vials. Wants to look for additional problems. Uncover the mystery. You go home. Two weeks later, your symptoms persist, and it's even worse. Your doctor recommends a specialist. Your specialist he doesn't care about the blood work you had in the past. Most of the time, they never do. He or she wants to order their own blood work. They may want another five vials, but they can also maybe want another 14 vials or more. While they're busy looking at all your numbers, metabolic panel, thyroid panel, your liver enzymes, you're struggling. Now you're in a state of being where you say to yourself, or to your spouse, or boyfriend, or girlfriend, or friend, or loved one, I'm sick. Really sick. The specialist, he wants you to come back and do it all over again in six weeks. Another round of blood. You're now just a giant blood bag, a feeder for the system. The system, that's broken. Your specialist says, Let's check for Lyme disease. We need another 7 to 14 vials. They won't tell you you need another 7 to 14 vials. It's just that when they stick you and they're putting another tube in, taking a tube out, putting another tube in, taking a tube out. Wait a minute, where's this going? Put another tube in, taking a tube out. Wait, that's four. What, put another tube in. What's five, six, seven? It's 10. Okay, I'm still sitting here. 11, 12. Oh my God, 13, 14? And... It's 7 to 14 vials. Goes quick. Three weeks after you just had your last blood draw, your symptoms are worse than ever. You can't get ahead of yourself. 
and you're caught in a perpetual state of survival. You're not thriving because you're kept from thriving. See? Yes, you were sick to start with, but you became sicker and no one's checking the system, looking out for you because they take one of the most God-given things you got inside your body that stops you from getting sicker, your immune system. They take it and they're throwing it out. This all too often happens to a lot of people. Some people, this just takes them completely down, bedridden for years. Some, over time, it just ends their life earlier. They were blood led it to death, blood led it. And the sicker you get, they draw more and more blood. You get sicker, they take more blood. Six months later, you're sicker, they take more blood. And they don't stop till you drop. Say you're someone who's not sick and you get your routine blood tests. You get five to seven vials every six months. You might be someone that's lucky. You don't have an Epstein-Barr, shingles virus, simplex, cytomegalovirus, HHV6, HHV7, two or three strains of streptococcus bacteria that's about to increase in numbers and give you your first symptoms. But the blood draw will get you there quicker, which means if your viruses and bacteria were designated to cause a problem when you are 55 years old, weight gain, more acne, more problems, fatigue, the blood draws combined with not the best food choices and other factors, your immune system might get low at certain times in your life. It's going to happen when you're 35, not 55. Your routine blood draw will knock you slowly down as the years go by and get you a symptom or a condition sooner than it would have been. And when it does, you'll be required to give more blood and end up in the vampire's lair. Now you're in. Everyone who gets a blood draw walks around with a weakened immune system. And now you're exposed to the bad flu, COVID, mono, strep, staph, MRSA, E. coli, food poisoning, shingles, or anything else that comes your way. No one says, stay out of trouble, Mrs. Ferguson. Okay, see you later. Thank you for coming for your blood draw. Stay out of trouble. Stay out of harm's way. Just, you know, be a little careful. All right. We just removed your entire immune system practically. Stay safe. No one says that. If you're lucky after a large blood draw, they may say, have a piece of candy, a lollipop, some orange juice or apple juice or a cookie. And don't worry. See you later. It's not anyone's fault at the bottom. This is a deception from the top. It's not the phlebotomist. It's not the nurses. It's bigger than everyone. It's Big Pharma and the handful of people at the top with a mission to drain your blood. You don't believe me? You know? Then why else are they doing it? Because they made a simple mistake or something? Someone didn't get a memo? Nothing was fixed? No one thought about it? If it's not on purpose, then it shows you that stupidity controls the top of the medical system. You should bite your tongue next time you think science knows everything and has your back then. It's reckless, twisted, horrifying, and downright demonic. Harsh words? You have no idea how many people have died 
from getting blood testing while living with chronic illness died early in their life. So let's talk about cancer. Whether you believe in the truth that cancer is caused by viruses and toxins, or you just think cancer is genetic, you still need your immune system to keep your cancer in check. Your white count controls your cancer. Your white count gobbles up and destroys cancer cells. And most importantly, gobbles up the viruses that create cancer cells. You get diagnosed with cancer, most likely, you've already had symptoms and conditions, you've been sick already, and you've had enough blood draws previously knocking your immune system down prior to your cancer diagnosis, or your blood draws started right with your cancer diagnosis. Either way, they step up your blood draws you go into rapid routine blood testing. This puts a constant drain on your immune system. The one thing keeping you from worsening. Think the cancer doctor will mention anything? No. Take blood at will. Take no hostages. And ignore any common sense, sensibility, any reason or reasoning. Your white count lives inside of you in your blood for the most part. It's tragic when it has to leave its home unnecessarily, the sicker you get as a cancer patient, the more blood they take. The sicker you get, the more blood they take. They drain you dry. It's devastating. Look, if you have the opportunity and the truth, you have to use that to keep people safe, healthy, and alive. I can see it now. A lot of unhappy doctors, specialists, blood labs. What an inconvenience. This next bomb is as it leaves the medical medium cannon and causes a crater in the broken health system. When the people find out they've been screwed over, they know they've been screwed over big time. See, bloodletting never went away. Let's go back in time a little bit, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. You got sick, they cut your arm, you drain into a pan. If you didn't recover from whatever you were sick with, they cut your arm again and drain it into a pan. You still haven't recovered? You're not one of the lucky ones? They cut your arm again, drain it in a pan, and now you're finished. Why is this much different than today? Because it's not. It's conventional medicine's finest F-up that, of course, alternative medicine adopted as well because alternative medicine always adopts all the conventional medicine F-ups. They don't know what's wrong with you with chronic illness, so they draw your blood. Draw your blood. Keep drawing your blood. Drawing your blood again. Draw it again. Oh, need more blood? Let's draw it more and more. Hey, by the way, you guys, you got to get more blood drawn. And then, hey, we need your blood. Get back in here. Got to draw some more blood and throw it all away. You get sicker, they draw more blood and throw it away. They don't drain it in a pan, but still, you get sicker, a specialist will draw 7 to 28 vials and throw it away. You got a better chance of living through it than 100 years ago, than 200, 300, 400 years ago, because we have resources to help stabilize us at our fingertips, right? We got still some good medical technology. I won't say we don't, we really do. And that's the difference. 
Back then, they just laid in a bed, bloodletting with no water for days, terrible environmental conditions, shortages on food, no proper blankets, no IVs to support their organs while their blood was being removed, no oxygen tanks. But it's still all the same. The handful of people at the top of the medical science and the medical industry carried bloodletting all the way over to the heads of the medical industry now. It's still the same, but it's done differently. You might be someone thinking, no way, I get my blood work, I'm fine. Yeah, I got a little acne, my doctor checks my hormones, I'm doing good after my blood work. This is not me. Or maybe you're someone that gets your thyroid checked after six to eight weeks, or every six to eight weeks, or every three months, you're doing okay. Maybe you're someone diagnosed with SIBO, got a little eczema, your routine blood draws seem normal. Maybe you're someone with celiac, everything seems to be up to par. Your symptoms or conditions come and go, you get your blood work, everything seems okay. Or maybe you're someone, your symptoms are on an even keel. You're eating better, taking supplements, and all this seems a little far-fetched. But little do you know, you're still getting a hunk of your immune system removed and you have a lot of years ahead of you for things to go wrong because of it. It happens when you least expect it. At the worst moments in life too, you're coasting along, everything's going okay, you're used to your symptoms here and there, but then comes that one blood draw that pushes you too far and knocks you on your ass. You're dysfunctional, fatigued, brain fogged, can't think right, a little dizzy, and now you think it's something in your diet. Wait a minute, something I'm doing. That's what it's got to be, my diet. Maybe it's this thing I took. Uh, maybe it's something else. You're checking your supplements, but you have no clue it was your last big blood draw. Even if it was weeks ago or even months ago, it was the blood draw that pushed you over the edge. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Before that, you had a strong constitution. You weren't that sick. You might be still young. You're in your 20s, and it sneaks up behind you and bites you on the ankle like a snake. And you're up 10 notches with your symptoms, and you're down 10 notches with your health. And the confusion of why you're getting worse only gets worse. And now it's the guessing games time, the real guessing games. Not the mini guessing games, the major big guessing games more than ever before. And once you burned out your most recent doctor or he or she burns you out, it's off to another doctor and more fresh blood work. And suggestions such as, did you try apple cider vinegar? That might help. Are you doing your charcoal? Um, yeah, no, keto, that could be a good direction to go. Uh, paleo, how's that working for you? Is that a good way to go? Are you getting your healthy fats because your brain needs all that fat? Are you staying away from sugar and carbs? Are you getting your fermented foods in? Are you doing your probiotics? The confusion goes on and it carries on and on. You become fresh meat. Fresh meat walking into that doctor or specialist office or the meat market. You're a fresh feeder. Happens to everybody with blood draws over time. There's a trend out there, not backed by any science, just a theory. And the theory is becoming the mantra for all alternative doctors and practitioners. It's, 
your immune system is all in your gut. Heard that one yet? That's a head scratcher for me. How can anybody trust this since all practitioners and doctors bloodlet everybody to begin with? They're wrong about the most important aspects of medicine there is possible. The one they rely on the most for answers. Your precious blood work and blood supply. But now they're right about this? Your gut? All your immune systems working in your gut? Your entire immune system is in your gut? Uh, most of your immune system is, is in your gut. Do you know where that came from? It came from probiotic and gut health companies. That's who came up with that theory. Uh, bias information, anyone? I hate to break it to them, but the majority of your immune system is in your bloodstream. It's in your bloodstream to protect your brain and your heart. It's in your bloodstream to try to stop pathogens from going to your brain and causing strokes and brain inflammation. It's in your bloodstream to try to stop pathogens from getting to your heart and causing a blood clot or inflammation of the ventricles. It's in your bloodstream to stop sepsis or blood poisoning or an infection to your heart valve. It's not in your gut. Yes, some of your immune system is, but the majority is in your bloodstream. Your brain and heart are target number one for the enemy. And both are VIP to your immune system. Your heart, your brain are the VIPs to your immune system. But that's how misinformational trends are. It's all in your gut. Immune system's all in your gut. Just like they said, it's all in your head. And then also, caffeine is good for you. They say that too. It's good for pregnant women. That's what they say now. <laughs> really? <laughs> or plunging in ice is good for the body. Puts you in shock. <laughs> kills your adrenals. <laughs> gives you mild hyperthermia. But no, it's good for your body. Uh, how about this one? Your brain lives on fat. Oh, really? Uh, is that why they tell you to eat sugar, drink apple juice after you donated blood? Because someone at the top knows if they don't give you sugar after they thefted your blood, you ain't walking out of that blood donor's clinic or doctor's office. They don't say, hey, um, you just donated a pint of your blood. Here's a cup of coconut oil or here's a cup of olive oil. That's because your brain is hungry. It's hungry for sugar. If it goes without glucose for more than five minutes, it starts to die. But yet, the trend is to tell you your brain runs on fat, which contradicts what they tell you after you've given blood. Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, next time you donate a pint of blood or get a big blood draw, drink a cup of oil or eat a few tablespoons of peanut butter and see if you hit the sidewalk face down walking out of there. And if you're compromised, sensitive, or sick with symptoms, you'll hit the sidewalk faster and harder. But I wouldn't do it because you need more glucose for stabilization after having a good amount of glucose removed from your blood. You remove the glucose, you better be putting some back in. Your sugar, your blood sugar, as they're taking too much blood from you, they also took your glucose, not just your immune system. When you got your blood drawn, the glucose that keeps your brain alive, which leads to the next problem, 
They not only drain you of your immune system, but they drain you of your glucose reserves, which for the chronically ill means everything, neurological problems and symptoms that the chronically ill have do worsen with the loss of glucose. And they take that away from you too, your blood sugar. There's a reason they measure blood sugar, not blood fat. You can live without fat. You can't live without sugar. The trendy health gurus think it's fat. That's real smart. But hey, they think all your blood draws, blood work, blood tests, and how it's done is great, normal, fine to do. Until they hear this podcast and then maybe start copycatting. But they also think your immune system's all in your gut. And many gurus think you're sick because you haven't trained your neural pathways to manifest your sickness to go away because it's all in your head. Yeah, I love that one. You know, as if your mind is going to reverse the trauma, the physical trauma that's caused by constantly getting your blood drawn. Yeah, okay, okay. Every time they do a blood draw, your white count and red count go out the door. And whatever's making you sick stays inside. Pathogens like viruses such as Epstein-Barr, the very bug behind Hashimoto's thyroiditis, Lyme disease, multiple sclerosis, lupus, eczema, celiac, PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, stays in your body. Because these critters are not in your bloodstream for the most part. That's why it's nearly impossible with the blood testing they have now to find active Epstein-Barr. It's not a full-blown infection in your bloodstream. They're in your organs, glands, and tissue where they can survive your immune system and hide. And when your immune system is strong, a white blood cell sees an Epstein-Barr virus peeks its ugly head out of an organ. Your killer cell stomps on it and destroys it. But after a blood draw, a lot of your killer cells went bye-bye. And that Epstein-Barr peeks its head out and says, I'm in the clear. Time to spread. You would think if your immune system's being drawn out with your blood, that your pathogens would be drawn out and go with it. But they don't. Your blood cells, white count killer cells, guard your brain and heart, making sure that Epstein-Barr or any other pathogen doesn't get a toll-free ride through your blood highway, making a pit stop to another organ. I can't tell you how many times I witnessed so many people get full-blown mono after a blood draw because an important portion of the immune system that's inside their bloodstream has been removed. People get the flu after a blood draw or any other bug going around. You're more susceptible or they get more symptoms of what they're already battling because pathogens travel when they're not being controlled. That's why the immune system in your bloodstream is so important. But up until medical medium information, no one knew pathogens caused any chronic illness, just like they don't know about the blood draw problem. Chinese medicine was unaware. Ayurvedic medicine didn't know. Science and research didn't know. The vegans didn't know. The paleos didn't know. Western alternative medicine didn't know. Now, Doctors, medical research, and science are using medical medium information that Epstein-Barr is responsible or even linked to a host of diseases after it was already published. 
But oh yeah, where's your science? Well, science has taken medical medium information, plagiarizing it, and using it now. Leads me to another critical point. Anyone who's sick with any neurological symptom, brain fog, depression, anxiety, bipolar, aches and pains, twitches, spasms, tics, jerks, chronic fatigue, sleep apnea, asthma, migraines, jaw pain, tingles and numbness, vertigo, tinnitus, burning skin, weakness of the limbs, tightness of the chest, needs, 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 electrolytes. And a large amount of your electrolytes are in your blood. As it leaves your body during a blood draw, we get in trouble. And then your brain, your neurons, and your neurotransmitters get hit hard and lose those critically needed trace mineral salts and electrolytes. This isn't even considered. These blood draws deplete us of deep-seated electrolyte reserves. No one's checking that. No one's caring. No one's talking about it. No one even knows. Your neurological symptoms worsen, but that won't take the blame the last blood draw. We call your doctor. You're feeling worse weeks after your blood draw, and he or she's going to need another blood draw and not even realize that you're in a glucose, electrolyte, and immune system deprivation from your last blood draw. You know what the sad thing is? Blood draws, they spike our adrenals too. Every time the needle goes in your arm, ow, or anywhere else in the body, your adrenals release fight or flight epinephrine. Your adrenals react to a foreign invader, in this case the needle. That adrenaline can power you through the blood test though, it's a needle high. Keep in mind, blood draws take from us. It's not like an intravenous vitamin or saline bag that offers nourishment to counterbalance the adrenals during their fight or flight response. This adrenaline response to the needle alone takes time to recover for people who are weakened and sick. That calls for any needles or treatments with needles. Needles can also make you high from the adrenaline that's released. The medical industry secretly relies on you getting this high from the pinprick. It band-aids the moment the damage being done with too much blood being drawn. Some people feel a temporary lift, like a temporary high as the needle leaves the arm before they feel worse later as the adrenaline surge wears off. Check this out. If someone gets an injury and they get cut and they bleed two, three, or four vials of blood worth, which is roughly around 40 milliliters of blood at four vials with 10 milliliter vials, right? They feel it. They're traumatized. Can you imagine getting a blood draw of 14 vials, even seven or 10 vials, full vials or more? Which leads us to the next part, hemorrhagic shock. This is an understudied area. And even if it was a heavily studied area, it doesn't mean it would be solid, understood, ironclad. They could still end up as bad as cheap tinfoil. Research and science is known for dedicating its resources to areas of medicine and failing miserably. It's why they don't have any real answers for chronic illness, except for, oh yeah, I forgot. It's your genes. It's all your genes. That's the answer for everything now. It's your genes. 
what a way out. <laughs> blame the person. Don't blame science and research. <laughs> it's your fault. When it comes to blood loss, they believe 750 milliliters of blood equates to a class one hemorrhagic shock. But for what body weight? I'm trying to figure that one out. Um, what condition someone has and what body weight? And it's a head scratcher again. It's not studied. What if you're 100 pounds? 750 milliliter could be extreme hemorrhagic shock to a person. What if you're a 200 pound male and not a 130 pound woman? What if you're sick, chronically ill and 90 pounds? Like so many people who get their blood constantly drawn are. No one in science and research are studying the details or seeing the reality and possibility of what kind of effect this could have on sensitive people. Hemorrhagic shock is just a loss of blood, which means less oxygen and sugar to the brain, glucose. But it means more than that. It means subtle but definite shocks to other organs. And when you lose your immune cells to a blood draw, what about shock to your bones? Bone marrow has to go into rapid production and deep reserves are lost. Uh, see you later, Mrs. Ferguson. Thanks for giving, giving us all your blood today. Um, hey, look out. Your bones are going to have to go into a major workout there. They're going to have to develop a whole bunch of immune cells fast as heck. And uh, you better rest because your bones are freaking out right now. And when you're sick, it's a lot to ask for on your body. Your immune system's already up against environmental toxins, pharmaceutical toxins, toxic heavy metals, perfumes, colognes, scented candles, air fresheners. Those are immune system busters. Smog, car exhaust, chemtrails coming out of the sky. You're breathing in when you go outside. Pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, cleaning supplies detergents, cosmetics, fire retardant coming out of couches and beds, formaldehyde leaking out of walls, mold, dust, radiation everywhere, gasoline, petrochemicals, plastics, and the biggest one, pathogens. So it's a big demand, right? To call upon the bones in your body to go into mass production of immune cells and to drain your spleen's reserves of stored white count, your bank, your white blood count bank, You'll get told it's no big deal. No big deal. You got plenty of blood and your body will replenish it the next day. There's no definitive scale that determines hemorrhagic shock. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee it's perfect. Sloppy textbook jargon from the science department once again. Sloppy means careless, understudied, never considered. It basically boils down to a phrase. It's not enough blood to kill you, so who cares? So you should be good. Chalk it up. We never tested their theory on people to prove what level of blood missing kills you. We never did the fine line testing, but I think something happened like 800 years ago. Someone signed up for the experiment. They, they walked into somebody's office. They cut them, bled them to death, and they calculated how much blood it was. That's a long time ago. What about the details? We just assume that the people who have bled to death lost around 40%, which is roughly half gallon of blood. Well, which is two quarts, which is roughly 2,000 milliliters. No variables. 
no details, no fine line definitions, pregnant or not pregnant, man or woman, thin or overweight, healthy or sick. Total guesswork on hemorrhagic shock and how much blood it takes to die. Also, lacking all information and details on what a healthy person versus someone who is struggling with a health condition of any kind. With all the science and research and technology and fact-checking and experts, it's just a shot in the dark. A dart thrown at a barn. Guesswork. The blood draw world is an empty void of solid facts and data and evidence and studies. Dead empty. It's a classic example of a broken system and people lining up like paddle and sheeple without any reason to question it. Uh, uh, how much blood do you need? Um, those tubes are filling up pretty quick. I'm not supposed to question it, right? No, don't question it ever. You guys know what you're doing. You know, uh, I had an uncle that knew how much antifreeze it took to take out of a radiator before the car overheated. I figure you guys got no way more than that and how much blood it takes without hurting me in any way. Uh, what'd you say? Come back next month? Okay, we'll do it all again. All right, oh, I'm done? Oh, thanks. Oh, I just had a dizzy spell. The abusive nature of blood draw and its unnecessary consequences is a prime example of failure. And even the best doctors and health experts walk around with a blood-stained blindfold on. Let's talk about the fine line. Before you draw blood, are you a female or a male? Women have a constant revolving immune system because they have the responsibility of childbearing, continuing human life here on Earth. Women's immune systems drop in the rest of their body when they're having their menstrual cycle. 80% of their body's immune system go to the reproductive system to protect it during its shedding cycle. 40% of a woman's immune system goes to ovulation. 50% of their immune system goes to pregnancy and over 90% of their immune system during childbirth. It's why women get symptoms or more symptoms around these timelines. It's why more women are sick with chronic illness than men. Men's immune systems are steady. They have this advantage when it comes to health. A man can burn their immune system to the ground, yeah, and destroy it. Many do. But it's a steady burn as it crashes and goes to the ground. If a man and a woman get blood drawn for the same problem on the same day, the 220-pound male will get the same amount of blood drawn as the 120-pound woman. If it's 7 vials or 14 vials, they both get the same. Same as if they both donated blood. They both get roughly 473 milliliters or one pint drawn, regardless of their differences. That's a huge problem, an embarrassment for the medical system, for research and science. It's humiliating for medical research and science. And people are being trained to believe medical research and science can do no wrong, and that it's above God, the light, the universe, whatever you believe in. It's a cult. At this point, it's become a cult, instead of what it should be or once was, a work in progress that has left a trail of mistakes, 
but perseveres forward. Let's talk about your immune system. Your immune system fights for you every day. It's gobbling up mold spores, poisons that float in the air, other air contaminants or pathogens like the flu. When a toxic mold spore enters your bloodstream, a white blood cell has to trap it and consume it. Gobble, gobble. It lessens the lifespan of that immune cell. It weakens it. Let's talk about if you're eating out at a restaurant. Everybody loves to eat out in restaurants, right? It's fun. Get out, enjoy the night, or maybe a lunch out. There's contaminants in the food that you're eating. You're eating a sandwich from a restaurant, breathing in perfume, cologne, aftershaves, hair products, scented body lotions and oils, air fresheners and scented candles, pesticides used for cockroaches and ants in the kitchen, conventional floor cleaner, table cleaner, your plate has a little leftover bleach on it from the kitchen, the waiter was just counting money before he or she brought over your plate, the lettuce on your sandwich has a little E. coli on it from some raw meat in the refrigerator that was sitting next to it, the vinegar in your dressing, that's a toxin all on its own, coupled with some sweat drops that contain some staph or strep flew off the chef's head along with a little dandruff filled with liver toxins that you can't see on your slices of bread or your sandwich. Kitchen helpers in the back unpacking greasy boxes off the delivery truck and changing out the ice containers, touching the ice, and their unwashed hands were touching everything in the kitchen, including needing a bathroom stop in between it all, loading boxes and then having to use the bathroom. Yeah, did they wash their hands that good? Nobody knows. They weren't in there with them. Any airborne pathogens such as the flu that you might breathe in from everybody else being around in the restaurant, your immune cells, they're being poisoned. Poisoned fast because they have to gobble up as much of these chemicals, contaminants, and pathogens as they can in a short amount of time to protect you while you feel all good in the restaurant, feeling okay, eating your sandwich, all is fine, all is well. An immune cell can get filled up quick filled up fast and it slows down sometimes at a standstill it sacrifices its life for you it gets overloaded your white blood cells the warriors got their swords out they're swinging their swords they're slaying dragons for you they're engulfing multiple toxins and even pathogens at any given moment when a white blood cell is overwhelmed and losing a battle two or three others come to its rescue they got its back. There's communication between white blood cells, just like dolphins in the ocean, which is not even partly understood by research and science. But just like a boat can instantly wipe out half a dozen dolphins swimming in the water, a school of white blood cells can get trashed and thrashed, hit hard, injured, and weakened in a storm of toxins and pathogens. Or a larger school of white blood cells can disappear within minutes as you're getting your blood drawn. Immune cells are soldiers. They're not indestructible. They can burn out. We already have to deal with that. But the health system trains us to think our blood is disposable. Not really important. Seven vials, 10 milliliters. Hey, 70 milliliters here, out the door, no problem. Three months later, another seven vials again, out the door. Three months later, another seven vials. Again, out the door, disposable. In six months, 140 milliliters or more, disposable. And I'm not even talking about 
a 14 vial blood draw, 24 vial blood draw, 30 vial blood draw, even more than that, 48 times a year when you're sick or more out the door. How many schools of immune cells, clusters of immune cells have been removed? That's like schools of dolphins swimming in the Bermuda Triangle and just disappear, <laughs> thrown away without the understanding of what it takes for your body to reproduce them or what it takes for your body to keep everything in check that we just talked about. And what about when you get your blood drawn? Who's keeping track of what's happening in your life at the time you're getting your blood drawn? Did the doctor's office ask if you're under any stress where you might need your immune system really strong? Is the doctor's office asking you if you got enough sleep the night before your blood was drawn? Or are they asking you how much caffeine you consume? Coffee, matcha tea, green tea, black tea, energy drinks, caffeine pills, including caffeine and pharmaceuticals. How much chocolate you do? Because chocolate contains caffeine too. Because caffeine breaks down the immune system every day, weakens it because it's defending itself against your adrenaline highs and lows. Like when you down your caffeine and chocolate and it ignites your adrenals to the overload point and your heart rate increases as adrenaline floods your system. Adrenaline is so toxic, it wears down your immune system. White blood cells can get torched by epinephrine, which means they can have a short lifespan or shorter lifespan, which means your bones have to produce more immune cells, which means your doctor should be drawing less blood from you during your blood test to account for the stress your immune system is under from the caffeine alone. Are you a woman about to go into your menstrual cycle or ovulation where your immune system is about to reduce dramatically in your bloodstream? And at the same time, you're eating half a bar of chocolate and three cups of coffee a day. And in this case, the doctor's office should want to know to account for the amount of vials they're about to draw. But they don't. They're not asking about anything. Are you going through a divorce, a breakup, a tough time? That can have an effect on your immune system, which leads me to another area that's important. Pregnancy. When 50% of the woman's immune system is protecting and monitoring the baby, leaving her with only half of her immune system for the rest of her body. So when a pregnant woman gets a blood draw, she's losing another percentage of her white count, her immune cells, which could be a big trigger into postpartum illness of any kind and even health issues while pregnant. And most importantly, that blood draw could compromise the baby. Instead, you'll hear pregnant women have more blood and they should come in regularly for routine blood tests while pregnant. Doesn't matter how much blood we take from them, they'll throw away almost all the blood with the mommy's immune system in it, which is needed to protect the baby with no consideration of how her immune system is juggling this depletion. At some point, the body has to rob Peter to pay Paul, especially when it comes down to protecting the baby. And then... There's something else very important to consider, new relationships, sharing microorganisms and pathogens from people we're living with, newer old friendships, finding new partners in our life to share a life with. We all have our own Petri dishes built inside of us and our immune system has to adjust 
to normal circumstances in life. With us spending time or being around others, you may need your immune system at its best and strongest when you're falling in love or moving in with someone to share the rent and sharing bathrooms and kitchens. Our immune systems adjust to these new interactions with others. As bacteria and viruses and fungi cross-contaminate from person to person, it's normal. But blood drawn at the wrong time can happen. And the doctors, they're not inquiring to determine how many vials is safest in that moment in your life to draw. Weakening the immune system when the immune system is already being weakened by protecting you and keeping you balanced from new exposures. But details don't matter to the alternative and conventional system when it comes to drawing blood. They don't get to know the people good enough before they vamp them. Vamp them. Steal their blood. Throw almost all of it away. Or sell it on the black market? To experimental labs? We act like getting our blood drawn is another errand during the day. It's just another errand. Let's see. Um, I got to go to the store. I got to get a facial afterwards. Um, I got to pick up the kids from school. I got to stop and get 14 vials of blood drawn. Um, I got to get some takeout for dinner. It's just another errand for many. Let's talk about donating blood. They take way too much blood in one donation. 471 to 473 milliliters, one pint. I'm not against donating blood. We are always in need of it. It's a life-saving tool, a resource for the people who need blood transfusions, life-saving surgeries from accidents. With that said, it's still a bloody mess. No matter who you are, when you donate that much blood, you go into uncharted territory. There should be parameters and critical guidelines when donating blood to protect the person giving the blood and figuring out how much blood is safe for them to give. Any amount of blood is going to compromise them, but the goal should be about compromising the least possible. Over a dozen variables should be set in place. Are you under stress? Are you sleeping? Are you male or female? What's your height? What's your weight? Do you plan on getting pregnant in the next three to six months? Are you in a new relationship? Or did you move in with someone new? Do you use or been exposed to colognes, perfumes, scented candles, air fresheners, hair products, scented lotions, aftershave, chemical cleaning supplies? Have you been to the dentist recently? If female, are you in ovulation or close to menstruation? Do you have any symptoms? Did you have symptoms ever in your life? Do people rely on you? Do loved ones rely on you? Are you driving the next couple of days? Are you hydrated? Are you jacked up on caffeine or chocolate? What's your diet like? Why are you donating blood? This is not even an exhaustive list. In order to donate blood, they should not make a standard a pint. They should take a half pint at a time for a male who is healthy and strong and less than a half pint for a woman depending on many variables, height, weight, and everything we discussed so far. Because women's health and men's health is not the same, far from it. 
Care should be taken to protect yourself from exposures after a blood donation or a blood draw, and important steps should be taken before and after to build the blood and quicken immune cell production without robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're still going to have to take from Peter, and you're still going to have to pay Paul, but the goal is to not leave Peter homeless, and you still want Paul to get enough. Look, we need blood donations, but we also have to look out for the people who are donating. If we're giving them a pint of blood, let's make sure we're strong and healthy and we take care of ourselves before and after donating. More on that later. Let's talk about blood draws now. If you're a woman who's healthy, no symptoms, and strong, and above 150 pounds, the maximum amount of vials they should recommend should be four whole vials, no bigger than 10 milliliters each. Try to ask for half vials and smaller tubes if possible, which becomes two whole vials. If you're healthy and strong, under the weight of 150 pounds, it should be three whole vials. Try to ask for half vials, not whole vials. If you are compromised in any way with symptoms or a condition, also considering the concerns I talked about earlier, maximum, ask for two full vials. Best if you do half vials with those two full vials. Make sure it's half vials for those two, which will equal one full vial. If your health is really compromised and you're under 100 pounds, maximum one full vial and try to ask for a half vial. Keep in mind, they throw almost all of your blood away. Very little is needed regardless of what they tell you they need. Ask your doctor if it's okay if they can take half vials. So in the worst case scenario, you're worried about speaking up or they convince you they need the amount of vials they need and they're about to draw five or more vials, ask for half vials. The labs will take it regardless of what the doctor says or the labs say or the phlebotomist says. This way, if you're pressured into 14 vials, like so many are pressured into by specialists, it would only equal seven vials when they are half filled. This is still too much blood drawn, especially for someone who's sick with symptoms or a chronic illness, but it can help protect the person. Avoiding large blood draws is the best thing to do. If the doctor allows for half vials to be filled and sends them to the blood lab, the blood lab will receive them and follow through with the testing. The blood lab may say to the doctor's office, we want full vials so we can do additional tests later on. Not true. Once they run those tests, they don't go back to that blood. You have to get another blood test if something went wrong at the blood lab. This happens all the time. You get a call from the doctor's office. Hello? What? I need to come back in again for another blood test? Uh, something happened at the lab? Um, oh, okay. And you have to come in for a few more vials. If you do have to go back in, ask for half vials and give yourself a little time between to recoup. Doctors tend to try to get as many tests done in one blood draw as possible. If this requires more than four full vials of blood for a healthy person, 
and more than one to three full vials of blood for a person who's struggling with a health condition, then you have the option of asking to separate or divide the tests and to come back another day for additional blood draws, for additional tests, breaking them up so it's not a shock on your immune system. Taking at least five days between blood draws is best, unless it's more urgent. Then sooner is an option. There's a lot of wastage and mistakes made at the blood labs. They're blood hungry. It's a machine. They're like wolves. A blood thirsty machine. It's not the people working there at the blood labs that are the problem. They're great. They're mostly good people doing critical life-saving work. It's not the doctor's fault. They're not the problem. It's the system that shrouds them. It's broken. It hasn't been upgraded, adjusted, checked in over 80 years. It's antiquated. Even if the tests become more advanced as medicine advances, it's like that decked out car that's got Wi-Fi. It still has rubber tires, gets a flat in the end because you just got a rubber tire with air in it. There's parts of it that are antiquated. Blood draw for blood tests and donation practices need to upgrade. They need to change for the sake of the people's health. And the level of stress on doctors watching patients get sicker and deteriorate without realizing it. That because of the blood draws, it's one of the biggest triggers to prolonging chronic illness. Let's talk about other forms of support. If you're someone who knows your blood draw is scheduled, you know it's coming, you're dreading it, <laughs> you know, hey, I got to get blood, and it's not a surprise at the doctor's office that you're unaware of that day, like you visit the doctor, you're sitting there and they're like, hey, let's take some blood. Then there's a lot of great things you can do to prep. One week advance is an ideal place to start. If you're a woman, try to time your blood draw before you enter menstruation. Ideally, a week after your cycle, even a week before your cycle. Because at these times, your immune system is strongest in your whole body. Hydration is an ideal way of helping your immune system stay strong before you get the blood draw. So starting a week before you get your blood test, reduce or eliminate your caffeine intake if you regularly participate in it. Caffeine is extremely dehydrating. No matter how much water and juices you're consuming, it dehydrates the cells. Your hydration never gets to a maximum level because caffeine sucks a person dry. During this week, incorporate celery juice, 16 to 32 ounces every morning. Do not add anything to that celery juice, no lemon, no water, no ice, no other fruit, vegetable. When you drink water, always add a little lemon or lime to the water. This brings in calcium, vitamin C, and other critical trace minerals, glucose too, and nutrients. Also replenishing your cells. Melons, watermelons, cantaloupe, honeydew. Try to stock up on melons. You can get a canary melon. You can get Crenshaw. There's other melons out there you can find. Try to eat the melon blended. Don't add water. Don't eat the skin of the melon. 16 ounces to 32 ounces of blended melon daily. Best to do in the morning after celery juice. The melon helps build up electrolytes and glucose reserves in the brain tissue. 
Melon helps to hydrate bone marrow. During the day or dinner, try to bring in some steamed potatoes or sweet potatoes, keeping them oil-free and free of butter too, sour cream, cheese, or any other fat. Whether you're animal protein eater or vegan or plant-based, try to keep your fats lower. Be cautious on how many radical fats you consume in a week before your blood test. Radical fats are foods that have a large percentage of fat residing in it, like milk, cheese, butter, oils, eggs, meat, chicken, turkey, fish, lamb, nuts, seeds, nut butters, avocados, soy too, nut milks, almond milk, even oat milk, it's high in fat. Try to keep any of these options to once a day, ideally for dinner. For example, having your fish with your dinner. That's it. Snack on some fruit throughout the day, like apples and strawberries and blueberries. Wild blueberries would be best. Bananas, papaya, mango. And bring in lots of leafy greens, spinach preferably. For all the mineral salts, they're critical for building your blood and strengthening your immune system. Medical medium spinach soup is ideal daily. If you can't plan a week ahead of your blood test, then try to apply this days before, even if it's just one day before. Carry these practices three to seven days after your blood test with the addition of 16 to 32 ounces of pure straight cucumber juice in the afternoon or evening. Cucumber juice helps to improve red blood cells after a blood draw. Two apples a day, extra papaya and bananas where you can for extra potassium and glucose. Any of these food tips applied before and after a blood draw will be helpful. Do the best you can, even if it's just getting your celery juice in daily so the sodium cluster salts can really charge up those electrolytes in those neurotransmitters as needed. Now, let's talk about some helpful supplements before and after Hey, you can check with your doctor, see if it's right for you. The supplements I recommend are the ones that I use for myself. They don't have any alcohol, no natural flavors, no preservatives, the cleanest and the best quality. It's the Vimergy company. They have something called Micro C. It's a form of vitamin C. For your immune system support, vitamin C is critical because your immune system needs it more than ever because a part of your immune system was drawn out of your body with the blood draw. Another supplement, liquid zinc sulfate from Vimergy 2. Zinc is to support the immune system that's going to be left over. So as part of your immune system is lifted out of your body and removed and thrown away, the part that's left needs the zinc more than ever. Zinc also keeps viruses docile so they don't proliferate so easily. There's also liquid B12 form of adenosylcobalamin and methylcobalamin. That's something I take and trust greatly. The right B12 supports all bodily functions, especially the brain function. The reason why I like the Vimergy B12, it doesn't have the preservatives in it, the citric acid, the alcohol, the natural flavors, and other stuff they throw in, all the other junky companies. When a tree is ready to be planted and taken out of its container or root ball, it goes into shock. As you place that tree into the earth to plant, you want to slow its shock down. 
you must give it a feeding, a range of nutrients that includes even B vitamins for faster recovery. B12 is that shock buster for us. It feeds us. So when we're uprooted, like when we're getting the blood draw, our body gets the shock and we need to take care of our body so the shock is eased, so it's less of a shock. Also, magnesium glycinate helps to ease any nerve spasms that are affected from the missing magnesium that disappears when we get the blood draw. After blood draws, muscles tend to tighten, spasm, and twitch. If you have other supplement questions, check out medicalmedium.com. I have a directory so you can look at the best stuff that I think is the safest and the most supportive out there. Also, for more support, read Medical Medium Book One, but the new edition, Secrets Behind Chronic and Mystery Illness and How to Finally Heal, the revised and expanded new edition version. Our blood is ancient, thousands of years old, millions of years old. It gets passed on from generation to generation. Our blood has the history of lineage. It's a sacred, precious resource. We can't live without it. We can't create new life without it. There's a hidden code and messaging in our blood. That hidden code and messaging is bigger than genetics or genes itself. Uncovering and learning the mystery of what sits inside our blood is far away from what they believe is in our DNA. The evildoers on the planet know there is information inside our blood. They just haven't cracked it. They've been experimenting with our blood since World War I, trying to make sense out of it, and at the same time pretending it's all for us and our health and well-being. If they had access to the secrets inside of us, they would gain more control over the human race. They would clone humans at a rate that would surpass all imagination. Where does all our blood go? It's not used in the blood tests. Some believe it goes down the drain. There's a great possibility it goes straight to medical testing for reasons that are totally insane.